The following show contains views and opinions that may not be suitable for all audiences. Audience discretion is advised. Howdy, 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 everybody, and welcome to Thespian Talk. I am your host, Gomer the Ranting Thespian. With me this week is a Michelle. Hello, everybody. I'm Snuffly. If I sneeze, I apologize. Yes, I will get out as many as I can in post if need be, but I'm probably going to miss a few. And also with us is the cat. Hello, everyone. Uh, so, yeah, a lot, a lot has happened. A lot of big things have happened within the last week. Uh, some of it we'll get into in just a little bit, but first I want to ask, Michelle, how was your week? Pretty good. Um, I've started a new job, and um, I like it. Uh, the people are quite nice, they're being very sort of friendly. And there's, because I've been doing agency for a while, there's parts of my brain that are like, right, you are coming back tomorrow, you don't need to ask them if, you, if everything's okay, you can come back next week. There are bits of my, you're like, oh, am I doing this, am I doing this the right pace? And I think, then was like, no, no. Don't worry. As long as you're doing it, you're okay. If you're not going fast enough, they will soon tell you. Um, but basically, um, what I'm doing, my official um, title is test operator, which has very posh. Uh, basically, I work for a component company. I've, I haven't asked about their media policy, so I don't know if they want to be named. Right. Uh, but they basically they make um, components like computers, um, circuit boards, stuff. Um, and the department I'm in is the LED department. Uh, uh-huh. So I'm, you know, we're testing them, we're um, packaging them, like, you know, putting them into a rig, making sure they turn on, you know, the lights will work. And if they don't, obviously put it to one side so it can get fixed. And then, like, you know, so finishing off some stuff, like, you know, we've got some, like, we're doing a job where we have to put some nuts in the holes and then cover the holes up with caps. And then the next person will um, do those, like, you know, so you, you, basically putting the shit together to make the final product. Uh, the only bit that I don't do yet is the soldering. But I will get taught how to do the soldering as well. So yeah, um, building, packaging, you know, building, testing, packaging. Nice. I'm a bit concerned about. I'm a bit concerned about tomorrow because if we're doing the job we were doing on Friday, which is most likely, um, I've got to wrap up um, delicate strips of LED. They're on metals, so they're not like delicate, delicate. But we have to wear gloves to do that. Mm-hmm. And if my nose is being as vicious as it tomorrow as it is today, that's not going to be fun. So I, I've got to go into work and see what happens. Yeah, but. It's like as I was saying pre-show, I don't want to take a day off the the second week I've been working there. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't blame you on that one. Uh, if they send me home, you, that's different. Oh. Sorry, yeah. If they send me home, that's fine. But otherwise, yeah, I've got to I've got to make the effort. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Kat? How was your week? Yeah, fairly normal. <laughs> <laughs> Yay for normality! Yay! <laughs> it, it is what it is. This is nothing worth talking about. Yeah, which which is fair, and and in terms of yeah, in terms of my own week, well, honestly, streamed a little bit, played some more Breath of the Wild, you know, Ooh. on stream, which which I ended up messing up, messing my uh, Wednesday stream because my my body was just no, we're not doing this today, even though my schedule is supposed to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Oops. Yeah, <laughs> I'll still be I'll still play around with my streaming schedule though. Uh but yeah, um, I, I I must admit I haven't been watching your um stream because I I do you don't tend to watch um let's plays and gaming streams except like Aaron stuff because I like Aaron, mm-hmm. um, 
But how are you getting on Breath of the Wild? Is this like a first playthrough, or were you doing it as a second time for the public? It's the second time. Uh, oh, I played through it like I got it like pretty much right when it, not right when it came out. It was like a few months afterwards, but it was the first game I got with my Switch. And in terms of other things, I do want to stream they uh, the online Nintendo Online on the Switch just put put uh, Star Tropics on there. Oh my god, that is one of my favorite NES games of all time. <laughs> I don't I don't know that. I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, uh, it's it's kind of like it's kind of Zelda-ish in that you have the overworld, you go talk to people, then you go into dungeons, which right. you know it's a little bit more action oriented. It's yeah, I think that's the best way I can explain it. Which hey. It being Zelda like, not a problem. They also it also was created by Nintendo. So Yeah. <laughs> I had, that's one of the things uh with the Nintendo entertainment store. Um I, I don't know if you guys have worked in retail, um but we actually had people coming up to us being annoyed that looking for the Zelda game saying why we're we're looking in Z for the Zelda games and like it's not there. I was like, No, that's because it's an L because it's legend of. Yeah. Or or people looking for Mario games in the Xbox or PlayStation sections. Yeah. Uh, All I'm saying is customers are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. Beyond yes. and beyond all of that, I actually I don't remember if I announced it last week, and I'm definitely gonna make sure to note it this week. Uh, new episodes of this show actually premiere at the time they go up, pretty much anywhere else on my stream. Yeah. So seven p seven p.m. Central on Mondays, they or or sometimes a little sooner, depending on how I'm feeling. But they'll premiere along with the release on like Anchor and YouTube and all of that on uh, on my Twitch channel. It's, it's kind of an end of the day thing on Mondays. So so yeah, if you're wa- if you're actually watching this on Twitch and listening to it on Twitch, hello. <laughs> Hi. Uh, I think he did mention it last week, but hey, he doesn't hurt to say it twice. Oh yeah, definitely. And I also noticed something after I got everything uploaded, everything was ready to go on the YouTube version. There was a typo. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what a debat is, but we'll go with it. <laughs> Although, honestly, I was thinking about it. I said, like, did he realize when I read the description? Okay, yeah, he does. And then I was like, well, there was in the story. It, yeah, we had stories. So, uh, <laughs> We'll go with that. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, we. So some big, big things did happen this past week. Like I, like I said earlier, in the news. Mm. Oh fucking hell! This, this, these are downers, but you know, this is just things that need to come out, and they're gonna come out eventually. Uh, New Zealand. Yep. Yes, we're gonna bring up New Zealand because some asshole white supremacist decided, hey. I'm going to not only go shoot up a couple of mosques full of Muslims, I'm also going to live stream it. I'm also going to release a manifesto that names Donald Trump as, to to put it in my own words, as a white savior for white people. That's how I'm, that's how I'm reading it. And also, because you can't fucking go anywhere without this stupid fucking meme, subscribe to PewDiePie. That is a lot of what the fuck bullshit from just this one shooting. The shooting itself is bad enough already. Yep. Oh, I, I, um, you know. But at the same time, and and of course, with the with with the subscribe to PewDiePie angle, you get people automatically up in arms, you know, defending PewDiePie, and it's like, dudes. I mean, yeah, 
here, here's here's my big thing involving the Pewdie, subscribe to PewDiePie angle. All right, number one, it's a stupid meme. He doesn't need the subscribers. I don't care if some group out of wherever the fuck is getting more subscribers than him. He doesn't need them. He's a millionaire. He can retire and live comfortably for the rest of his life. That's number one. Number two, PewDiePie has been known to say racist, bigoted things. Even you know whether it's whether he's serious, whether he's joking. People are obviously taking it seriously and acting accordingly. He is enabling shit like this by pulling shit like this and saying, oh, it's just a joke. It's not a joke anymore. You, you, can't, you, you, cannot, be an, an, you cannot be an ironic racist anymore. It, you know, and that's not the rules. That's not me stating a rule. That's just, yeah, you can't do it because too many people aren't doing it. Too many people are being serious about it, like this fucker who, in New Zealand. So while Felix may not have said, oh, hey, go and shoot up these mosques because it'll be funny, ha, 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 he didn't tell him to do that. He should yeah. bear some responsibility for his own damn fan base at very least. So, yeah. so that is the that is, there is that, and then of course there's also the Donald Trump angle, which people say you know again it goes to the people saying oh he doesn't mean that he's not a white supremacist. People lying from him from the White House when when it's like bitch yes he is. You look at his damn Twitter. Oh he doesn't really mean I try that. Not so. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but it's just one of those things. It's like the evidence is there. He is enabling racists and bigots and 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 anti immigrant You just he's enabling all of this shit. And and Oops, excuse me. In fact, one of the stories that we go into actually kind of covers a little bit of that. But uh, it's like oh, but but they're just words. They're just jokes, bro. It's like no. No, that's not a good defense anymore. Uh, Kat, do you have any thoughts on this? Because I'm pretty sure you're going to have more of them when What the Fuck comes around. Oh, probably. Um, my, the, the worst thing besides the actual um, event that I have read has been that... Um, and I forget who wrote it. It, it was somebody that I saw on Twitter um, who was like an American... Um, government officials said that it is it is not too soon to talk about um the the root cause of white supremacy and that sort of thing it's not it's not too it's not too early to talk about it it's much much too late yeah and to me that was like the really haunting thing is we always talk about when um when some terrible tragedy happens and and if it's inconvenient to a person in the government, they decide that it's it's too soon to talk about this. We need to have respect for the victims. And in this case, this is, it's too late. This is already a mindset that we have, um, white people of the world. Um, and and it was completely not preventable, but it was manageable for a time. Mm -hmm. And it has been allowed to escalate. And here we are. Yeah. And. And I do want to note a good thing, though, around all of this, because New Zealand saw this happen, and their, I think I think their prime minister, I think it was, some one of their higher-up government officials said, yeah, you know what, um, all, all this, all this semi-automatic gun weapon shit, no, we're just gonna, we're just gonna get rid of all that, you know, within 24 hours, 
they had an automatic weapons ban. Where the fuck are we at, America? Oh, but a second amendment. Right to bear arms. That doesn't mean having cop-killing, mass-killing weapons on our holsters all the damn time. You don't even need guns. You could just have swords. You know, it's arms. That doesn't necessarily mean high-powered projectile weapons. That's that's it. You know? Yep. I mean, I mean, just 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 let go of your your semi-automatics. Just let them go. You don't need them. Yep. But what if the government rises up against us? Well, then you know what? Then the government rises up against us, and we can still fight back. We don't need to have weapons on par with the military. There are more of us and more of them. And I'm pretty sure that considering the military is also comprised of humans, there are going to be plenty of soldiers who are probably going to say, nah, I ain't about this. <laughs> so, so yeah. But that's Civil War talk, and ugh, there's some people who just, God damn it. <sighs> so, perspective, perspective from across the pond. Michelle, what do you have to say about all this? Uh, well, first of all, I didn't realize that um, New Zealand had um, had the semi-automatic ban. Uh, good for them. Um, I didn't know what their gun law status was to begin with, to be fair. Um, yeah. The fact she's come out and said that, yeah, we're not having them anymore. Cool. Uh, and to that end, um, dumb Blaine, uh, if you remember that, we already have fairly strict um, gun laws. Now, guns, as... It's probably common thought, perhaps, that you know England doesn't have any guns. You know we have strict gun laws. We do, but it isn't strictly illegal to have a gun. You just have to have a very good reason to have it. I'm yeah. fairly certain, uh, possibly Second World War, um, a lot of ex-service uh, weapons. I don't know about any modern wars for ex-service weapons because they probably get checked in. I don't know the procedures, but I don't. Like I said last week, I do have a couple of people who've been in the army and I don't think they have their weapons on them anymore mm -hmm. but it isn't strictly speaking illegal you just have to have a very good reason like usually um, farmers or I think like maybe sports shooters but they might keep them in the locker wherever their club is Right. Uh, I don't know the procedure there but basically yeah after Dunblane which is our which if you aren't aware of it or don't remember the history it was I think it was in the like, mid 90s I can't remember exactly I have to look it up but I can't see it at the moment because I'm sneezing and I took my glasses off um, there was a shooting in a school in, in Dunblane, Scotland, mm -hmm. and it was a big tragedy. Um, they even did a re-release of Knocking on Heaven's Door, where they actually changed all lives to "For the Children of Dunblane, We Say Never More," um, which is kind of cool. And obviously, that was all charitied. Yeah, we had a, we had a gun amnesty. We basically said, right, we are looking at laws. We are going to change them, and. Um, yeah, they did. So there anyone who had a weapon, like whether it be a service weapon or any other, mm -hmm. for any other reason they had it, that there was an amnesty. And people were like, yes, thank you. If there was a, if there's a, apparently there was loopholes and they closed them. To the similar end, we are having big problems with knife crime at the moment, mostly in Manchester and London, I think Liverpool maybe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, some of the biggest cities are having knife crimes. And again, what is the response to go, this shit ain't good. Let's see where we can fix it. Let's mm -hmm. see if you know giving more money to the police will help because there's a big thing between Theresa May and the oh, I don't think it's necessarily directly Theresa May, but with the um, commissioner for the police and one of the government officials. 
they're basically one saying, "Oh well, no, the, the the amount of police on the ground isn't is anything to do with it. You know, just it's just these things that's happening." And like, and they're saying, "No, not having enough money to put more police on the ground is having an effect because people can see that there isn't this thing." So they're looking at live crimes. There's in the hot spots. There's going to be more, you know, stop and check and like random like searches. And again, I don't know how exactly how this is going to manifest, but people are talking about helping all these children that are apparently in, in gangs right now and doing community programs that will help you know and that again is going to be case by case based on the area but creating community programs that are going to help these kids not get into gangs and knife crime yeah so we are responding by saying oh crap this is happening why is this why is this happening how can we fix it yeah actually doing something <laughs> instead of saying oh thoughts and prayers <laughs> yeah mm. okay if anyone's with thoughts and prayers in England, they're being ironic. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, all of that has happened. America, let's get on par with New Zealand. Let's do it, huh? Okay. And if, <laughs> and oh, if, we're pretty good anyway. Yeah. And if, and if anybody wants to come at me with, like, the whole right to bear arms Second Amendment shit, shove it up your ass and, and turn very slowly. <laughs> Even I understand the Second Amendment better than these these people seem to. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an atheist understanding Christianity better than most Christians. Oh, wait! <laughs> oh. Uh, so, so, a little bit lighter before we get into the news. Um, uh, Becky, just before we started recording, she found a book on Goodreads. And the book is entitled Ship It, S-H-I-P-I-T. And it's written by Britta London, L-U-N-D-I-N. And there, there is a twist, but I'll wait till I get through the synopsis to share the twist. Uh, cool. So Ship It is about Claire, a 16-year-old fangirl obsessed with the show Demon Heart, and Forrest, who is an actor on Demon Heart who dreams of bigger roles. When the two meet at a local Comic-Con paddle, Panel, rather. It's a dream come true for Claire. Until the Q&A, that is, when Forrest laughs off Claire's assertion that his character is gay. Claire is devastated. After all, every last word of her super popular fanfic revolves around the romance between Forrest's character and his male frenemy. She can't believe her hero turned out to be a close-minded jerk. Forrest is mostly confused that anyone would think his character is gay. Because he's not. Definitely not. Unfortunately for Demon Heart, when the video of the disastrous Q&A goes viral, the producers have a PR nightmare on their hands. In order to help bolster their image within the LGBTQ plus community, as well as with their fans, they hire Claire to join the cast for the rest of their publicity tour. What ensues is a series of colorful Comic-Con clashes between the fans and the show that lead Forrest to question his assumptions about sexuality and help Claire come out of her shell. But how far will Claire go to make her ship canon? To what lengths will Forrest go to stop her and protect his career? And will Claire ever get the guts to make a move on Tess, the very cute, extremely cool fan artist she keeps running into? Ship It is a funny, tender, and honest look at all the feels that come with being a fan. Okay. Sounds kind of amazing. <laughs> it, 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 sounds, it sounds amazing. Um, uh -huh. But, number one, it's Brit Britta London apparently wrote for Riverdale, 
which I didn't know that. And number two, according to one of the reviews that's actually on the page for it, uh, one of the opening scenes has the main character getting bullied for writing fan fiction. Sorry, which... um, she writes for whom? Sorry, you cut out just as you said. Oh, uh, Riverdale. She wrote for Riverdale. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And with and with with the first thing happening, her being bullied for fan fiction writing. I, you know, it's been a while since I've been in high school. Almost twenty years. Um, Technically, I've never been to high school. Well, fair <laughs> enough. But I don't. I mean, I I recall being bullied about different things, picked on here and there, but never really about something I was into. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, Cat was that how was. Was your experience anywhere like that? You know, you get into something and people bully you over it, or? No. No, because I went to a huge school. I went to, like, the largest school in my county. Mm-hmm. And my, there was, like, I want to say, like, three or 400-something kids in my grade. There was no, That's like, bullying. Um, because th- there was, like, cliques and stuff, but we were so busy and the school was so big and there were so many people that like some people got bullied, but it was really easy if you were awkward to just slide on by and not get noticed. So mm-hmm. me and my friends were huge nerds. We were big anime fans. We wrote fan fiction. Um, but we just sort of ghosted by. Yeah. There was a couple of kids who got bullied, but um, they were, and these guys were friends of mine, but they were extremely socially awkward and incapable of handling the bullying. And so that like created a cycle where since they were so um, bad at handling it, it just got them more attention from the bullies. And that's the type of people who got bullied in my school. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. So, and, and, and a bunch of people, cause uh, Becky shared it with our, with our little discord group. And that seems to be the thing. It's like, yeah, no, nobody gets picked on or bullied for what they like. If they're bullied or picked on, there's a different reason. Whether it's I. No, sorry. go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I um, I got kind of picked on a little bit at school because I was always social. I got picked on both at both my schools, like my junior school and when I went to secondary school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mostly because I was just kind of shy and awkward, and that probably didn't help. Yeah. Um, but in my within my form group, I kind of got on well enough with everyone to the point where when I was getting bullied by someone outside the form group, they kind of rallied around me and said, no, this shit's not cool. Yeah. Um, but I did kind of get teased and stuff because I was... Um, my first Hollywood crush is was Michael J. Fox. So mm-hmm. I was kind of very big in him. And I, I'd be the kind of person who'd be like, oh, and then this happened, and really enthusiastic kind of fangirling to the point where people were just annoyed with me. Oops. <laughs> We've all been that person. Oh, yeah, Yeah, definitely. and like, and I was trying to say, well, you know, it's kind of cool. Like, well, I was talking to him, but I'm more into sports. Or someone else said to me, well, he's no Olivier. And like, well, at that point, I wasn't overly familiar with Olivier. And I had to have a, I need to do more research into Olivier um, specifically, but as I've learned more about him, I'm like, he's from a very different school of acting, and he's very much more theatrical, and I don't know to a modern audience, even comparing someone who's relatively um, as older now as, as Michael is, compared to someone like Laurence Olivier, that you know, they would be viewed the same way by a modern audience. Like, 
Lawrence's acting style is very different from Michael's acting style, which is probably different to the modern acting style. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. I don't know if they necessarily compare. And also, as I found out later on, like, yeah, I, I like Michael because I thought, I, I thought it was cute and all, all this other stuff and I enjoy his movies. But as I grow and become more objective and, and looking at stuff and then acting styles, like, yeah, he is a very good actor. And also, in his biography, he talks about how because Canada doesn't have a Coogan law, he didn't get his education properly. So he was doing plays um, like proper, in proper theatres locally where he was he was living in, in Alberta mm-hmm. and getting accolades but mm. failing drama at school. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, but if, if, if you're getting accolades in high school for your, your stage acting... That's gonna have to translate as you grow and learn your craft. Oh yeah. So and you know, I've if you look at his entire catalog, yeah, there are some sort of a sidebar to that. I'm also a big sci-fi fan, and specifically, I'm um, thinking right now of, of some episodes of Stargate SG One. And like, I know um, Emma Caulfield from um, Buffy. I think once had a rant about you know genre stars not getting uh, nominated for Emmys. And there's a particular episode of Stargate. And there's a similar one for. Um, Star Trek TNG, where the, each in each case a particular actor has to pl- play more than one character, and you have got scenes where these genre actors are going through more emotions in one episode than your average regular drama or your soap soap actors or anyone else does mm-hmm. in a single episode that, that some other people can go through in a single season, and they're not getting the kudos they deserve. Yeah, but yeah, so I was I was bullied for being an awkward, but I was also bullied. For you know, kind of teased and that for just being really kind of. I I guess I could interpret it as obnoxious. I probably wouldn't recognise it as being obnoxious, but definitely over enthusiastic. Right. Uh, but there was was one time we weren't having a proper lesson for whatever reason. I think the teacher was ill, and so I was sitting reading a book, and some of the kids were like, "Oh, she's reading a book," and like the te- the, the substitute was like, "Well, but it's supposed to be an English lesson." <laughs> yeah. There you go. But no, in, in terms of this book, it sounds it sounds like it's a train wreck just waiting to happen. It sounds like a self insert fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The whole plot of it sounds like a self insert fan fiction. Yeah, and and even Becky noted it as being as, as like the show itself that's being referenced is just is pretty much uh, supernatural with the yeah with the uh, mm. um the numbers filed off. Yeah. Mm. So, but I will say, sorry. Oh. Um, you have thoughts related to the um, book synopsis as you read them out, which were very much in line with the Sherlock fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm assuming anyone who's listening to this who who knows anything about Sherlock will probably be aware of the whole um, John Locke shipping. So I won't get into that. But there was a whole thing when uh, Amanda Abingdon was asked about. Uh, I think just transformative works in general, and she went on his entire rant about how um, John Locke is just people perving on, um, you know, Martin and Ben together. I'm like, you know, because remembering, for those of you who aren't entirely au fait with the um, Sherlock, um, the Sherlock Holmes canons, there is also another um, parallel Sherlock franchise happening with other actors that could be considered somewhat sexy, who also have fan art made them. So hopefully I say, oh, it's just about people perving on... on um, Ben and Martin. Yeah, because nobody ever perfs on Robert and Jude. Uh-huh. 
But the, the thing that the thing that really got people's go and kind of got mine was like, and I wouldn't want my son to find this stuff. One, if you look up Benedict and Martin together, you're more likely to find just promotional shots of Sherlock or stuff from the Hobbit movies. Yeah. But two, I don't want my son to encounter this stuff. She also has a daughter. Right. So we're like, is that kind of homophobic, by the way, your boss is gay? <laughs> <laughs> Just... There was... So in terms of, of fandom shittiness, I've, I've kind of... That's the most recent one that I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm not saying there aren't other things happening, but yeah, there was the, the official Sherlock convention, and people were like, I wonder if Amanda's going to go to it. Like, yeah, she's not going to this first one because it, it's a bit too fresh. In fact, I know I'm really rambly today, a friend of mine who is completely not bothered by Shulk at all. She never watches a show. Mm-hmm. But this whole discussion happened on, like, they were talking about it on the, I think, BBC Two, one of the, one of the radio stations. And her mum was listening to it. So she, like, my friend doesn't give a shit about the show. As far as I know, her mum doesn't care. She's completely non-biased. And even she came out on the side of, like, wow, that sounds like she's being a bit of a shit person. Yeah. So sorry, yeah, that's more related to the book. Is uh, is that um, it does actually happen? I've seen things like that happening in in the fandom. Like, oh, how very dare you make these characters gay? Yeah, and people who do that just ease up. Seriously, especially, you can make when you're part of the show. You have the privilege. Yeah. <sighs> just. <sighs> Aye. Just let like fan fan culture is really interesting, and not everybody mm. can really get it. But mm. most creators should be if they're if they're good creators, they should be of the mindset that like fan fiction, fan art, fan creations are just that. It's for the fans, and everybody interprets their the characters in different ways. And if and if two people want to interpret, you know, a character is gay, then that's what they're gonna do, and that's fine. And it doesn't hurt anybody. And that's like the weirdest thing about when people get up in arms about, uh, well, well, canonically these characters aren't gay, so the fact that you're making them gay is wrong. It's like no, yeah. it's just their interpretation. Everybody's gonna see things differently, and that's the whole point of fandom. Yeah, and and. And the thing specifically with Sherlock, or indeed any other Sherlock Holmes franchise that is or isn't happening, I think they, um, Guy Ritchie said he is going to make a third movie. Um, you can argue, and I have actually argued, that they are also transformative works, because they are not the original canon. They are not penned by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. So therefore, they are also fanfic. There you go. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good enough <laughs> argument for me. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. I, I uh... appreciate it. <laughs> So with that, we are going to take ourselves a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we will have some news for you. See you then. Hey, folks, we're trying a little bit of a different thing with the shout outs this week in that it's going to be its own pre-recorded segment. Um, right now, we've only got one shout out for this particular week. I don't have one at the time I've got this being put together, but Michelle has one and she's going to talk to you a little bit about it. And then we're going to get to the ads and then we're going to get back to the show. Uh, hopefully you guys like this particular format. That way we don't have to worry about being so on the spot or what have you. Um, and we'll we'll just see what happens. So uh, here's Michelle with her shout out for this week. Uh, hi. Yes, I have a shout out. Uh, it is a young man who is currently number one in the UK charts. Um his name is Lewis Capaldi. I don't know if he's related to Peter of Doctor Who fame, but he is featured in one of his music videos, which I definitely recommend. That is called Someone to Love. 
Um, yeah, he is a Scottish singer-songwriter who is quite um, bluesy. Um, some of it's sometimes things quite soft. Sometimes there's a bit of a growl there, which I like. But basically, I'm shouting him out because there is a lot of crappy, almost constantly danced music. Everything's got to have a rap guest chorus, and uh, Lewis doesn't have. Well, I think there's one song that may have a, a guest feature guest, but the, his actual track at the moment is just him and a piano and it's beautiful so if you're looking for some actual new music that is good it's a little bit soulful that is not the same old same old crap it does exist and um lewis capaldi he has an official um youtube if you just look up his name it's l-e-w-i-s um capaldi uh yeah feel free to check it out that he does have other social media links which you can find in his about page if you like it great if not now you've only wasted about three minutes of your time all right thank you Hey folks, we'll get back to the show in a moment, but first I want to tell you about Patreon. Uh, Patreon is what I use to get around all of the YouTube adpocalypse bullshit, and while I don't have a lot right now, every little bit does help. And if you like what you hear or what you see on any of my videos or podcasts, head on over there for as little as a dollar a month. You can get all of these things early before anybody else does, and you can get them completely ad-free. Yeah, I know YouTube right now is technically ad-free, but... At some point, I'm probably going to get big enough to where ads will start coming in. And those can be annoying, so you want to avoid that, right? If you go ahead and go now over to patreon.com slash gomer21xx, leave a dollar, five dollars, doesn't matter how much, you can get all of these, again, you can get them early, and you get them without ads. Even when I reach the point on YouTube to where ads can be put on these videos. So, it's a win-win. And you can even avoid the ads that go up on the Anchor versions that go out to all of the other websites that are out there. No ads! It's great! Uh, so that's patreon.com slash gomer21xx. And we are back from our break. Uh, hope, hope you guys go check out everybody we talked about in the shoutouts. Uh, they sound really good. And, um, and yeah, is <laughs> is a good thing. So our first one now... Now, the past couple of weeks, I, I've, I've noticed something when putting it together in my news stories. I've been dipping a little bit darker, and I'm trying not to do it too awful much. But there are some things that I feel like they need to be brought up and talked about at least a little bit. But I'm gonna I'm trying my best to kind of mix that in with a few other things that we could just outright just laugh at, laugh at. Yay. You know, so uh, hopefully, hopefully this week will be a good mix. But if it's not, I apologize in advance. Um, so our first story comes out of Ashland, Alabama. Uh, authorities say a woman accused of bullying on Facebook has been arrested on nearly two dozen counts of aggravated stalking. Clay County Sheriff Jim Studdard is quoted in a Friday report as saying 48-year-old Catherine Patterson was arrested this week. The Ashland resident was apprehended on the 23 felony warrants after she was previously ordered to stay off social media. Authorities haven't provided many details, but say there's a history of conflict between Patterson and the victims, which includes some former family members. Studdard says investigators searched Patterson's home Wednesday and took several electronic devices. Court records show Patterson was charged with harassment in 2017 and with violation of her protection order in 2017 and 2018. However, all the charges were dismissed and it is unclear if she has a lawyer who could comment. Now, I put this in here because I don't know how many people out there still believe that that the cops can't do anything the law can't do anything they can and they and in this case they will 
it's, yeah, and it is still difficult. I'm not going to dismiss that. But the fact is, it can be done if the law enforcement catches up with the times and they actually try and do something about it. And and at this point, you know, hey, she's been arrested apparently again. So, so you know, there there is something. And 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 even even offline stuff, not everything takes the first thing. And I think that's something people don't remember, because people walk through restraining orders all the time. I mean, there that's even part of at least one song. I mean, I'm sure that's part of several songs, but but it, it's still a thing. It's just that. People are so quick to dismiss. Oh, it happens online. Cops can't do anything about it. Yes, they can. And this here is just one example of proof that they can. Whether it's effective or not, you know, remains to be seen because they still need to catch up by and large, I think. But still, things can be done. Uh, Kat, you want to start off on this one? Sure. Um, I really like what we're talking about here with um, how cops need to catch up with the times because we hear over and over in the news about how police cannot keep up with the changing social media and they're consistently baffled by threats on social media so there's you know just any number of stories of a person who is being who is being targeted being bullied being doxxed whatever going to the police and saying hey this person is threatening me and the police not even knowing what that platform of social media is yeah. and there there are you know divisions now that cater to cybercrime and and cyberbullying and that sort of thing but it's not universal yet we don't have you know, a, a division for every state or county or whatever. Not every department has this, but we're at the point now where, like, everybody needs this. This needs to be everywhere because we see time and time again cyberbullying um, leading to suicides, to, to violence, to all kinds of nastiness. And a lot of it is because the police simply don't know how to deal with this kind of um, crime or this kind of behavior. And even today where we do have time and time again, example an example of, of the negative consequences of what is done online, we still don't have enough people taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. We view our online relationships and the things that happen online as um, less in value than IRL stuff. Yeah. When some of our best friendships are people that we've never met in real life, but we we know them online for years and years. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the help that we need, we can get online when, when we're feeling down and somebody encourages us. And we still, as a society, see that as having less intrinsic value than <sighs> talking to a person in real life. And both are good. Um, but that causes us to place less value on things that are said to us that are bad, threats that are made that are bad. Um, we know that not every person who threatens you online would do it to your face, but the threat is still real. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't make it less offensive or less of a threat just because it was done online. And that's something that we as a country need to fucking get on board for, but before it eliminates a generation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Michelle, your thoughts? Um, I, I'm not sure I have. Well, yes. Uh, talking. I, my friend is a PCSO, and he's 
27. So he's like very media savvy. And, you know, he, when he started, he went to a class of presumably similar aged people. So the idea that there aren't police who understand what is social media, what is happening online. Uh, no, because I don't, uh, I don't know how sort of recruitment waves happen here. I know there is certain times. That's why he can't be a full, um, for those of you who don't know, PCSO is a police support community officer. So basically they are, they don't have powers of arrest. They, they can be witnesses. They can help you. And like, if you go talk to them, they can sort of help out. I know he's gone on raids, but he's normally the person sort of standing back. And if there's any, if the crowd turns up, he's sort of there to control the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason he hasn't a full um, police officer at the moment is because at the time he applied, there wasn't a recruitment drive for a full police officers. Uh, which probably fits back into what I was saying earlier about the knife crime, but the idea that you know there are police officers who don't understand social media—that no, because people who want to be cops and are, are being recruited are younger people. Yeah, you know, each generation of cops is going to be a younger person, and they are going to be tech savvy. So using that, how waving that excuse? No, and no, there are departments that do this kind of stuff. They are, you know. Some of them might be relatively new. They still they have some infrastructure things they need to sort of look at and work out. I don't know. I don't know the inner workings. But to say that nobody understands it is no. They do understand it. They have they have got um, knowledge of things because they are young people who use it them for themselves. Yeah. Um, but as for what um, Kat was saying about in uh, yeah real, in real life friends versus online friends, um, I. I don't know exactly about Aaron Fields or so, but I would definitely count Aaron as one of my closest friends in terms of, you know, of people I know in the world that I talk to. And I'm not going to get into it, especially because he's not here. Yeah. But we've we've had conversations. He's been one of my most supportive friends for things and reasons that, again, I'm not going to get into. But in what, <sighs> there have been things that have happened to me uh, or, or times I've been kind of really down about stuff. And because of the time difference, sometimes Aaron is the only one who could be there for me because he's the only one who's awake. So right. I used to have terrible sleep habits, so he's like, oh, there is still someone I can talk to. And if I didn't have that, I'd probably just, you know, be crying in a corner somewhere, but having someone I could reach out to, and that is not insignificant. That is not someone who doesn't, oh, he doesn't matter because he's, you, you've never been in the same time zone as him, let alone actually met him physically. Yeah, but he's been such a phenomenal help in situations where I have ne- I have needed that emotional support to, so to say that online friends don't count is, I'm sorry, that's a, a bollocks I don't accept that yeah, I agree. So yeah, I'm with you yeah. so on that score, yes, online friends count at just as much, if not more so than real life friends, sometimes your real life friends are the ones being shitty to you, real yeah. life friends, you know, meet yeah. space yeah, right. Uh, I, I, I totally I totally 100% agree with that, in fact, I've I think I've met, mentioned on this very show several times that, you know, that it in part because of friends who have supported me that I am who I am today. Yeah, I mean, I did a lot of the legwork on my own because, you know, you kind of have to, but you still have that support system. And guess what? Most of my support system is online. Yeah. And, right. and it's to the point to where every time I hear somebody say, like, like, you know, real life or IRL or whatever, I I, I, I get a little twinge because it's like it's still technically real life. <laughs> You're just yeah. talking to somebody on the other side of a computer screen. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 
never it's probably never going to reach a point to where I, I like blow up at somebody for saying IRL but mm. you know it, it's just the thing but and, and it's and it's a nitpick on and it's a nitpick on my end so yeah but but the point is we know we know what we we you know the the point is whether you have somebody in meat space whether you have somebody online or whatever or even a combination of the two you know mm. you, all all of your all friends are important Every last exactly. damn one of them. Uh, exactly. Our next story comes out of New York City. Woo. I was thrown out of a bar in New York City. Uh, and, 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 and. Well, you Sorry. know, well, well, that Ron White reference is gonna is gonna be um, gonna be relevant in a moment. Uh, a widely viewed video this weekend showed a man in a "Make America Great Again" hat being asked to leave a New York City bar. That much is certain. Why he was kicked out isn't as clear. The Trump supporter says it was because of his polarizing red hat, but the bar's owner disputes the account. He says the man was drunk, loud, and used an anti-Semitic slur. Since the video was posted, people outraged by the recording have flooded his bar's phone line with threats, some of which have been violent. Because that's what you do, right? Yeah. You know, that's something I've noticed between outrage on the left and outrage on the right. While death threats can come from either side, I'm seeing it more prevalent from the right than I am from the left. You know. And again, I know and I know somebody out there is going to be like, "Well, both sides can." Yeah, but it's more prevalent on the right. Now, it's not the first time the man in question, Dion Sini, has found himself at the center of a political discrimination controversy. He regularly posts videos to his personal Facebook page of him flying Trump 2020 flags in unlikely places, hawks pro-Trump merchandise as a side business, and has a history of antagonizing those who don't support the president. Yeah, come for me, Dion. Come on. Right here. Yeah. Or, or are you too much of a coward to do it? <clears throat> the encounter at the bar is the latest in an ongoing culture war. Trump supporters around the country have claimed harassment and mistreatment from liberal business owners, especially where red MAGA hats are involved. Some Trump supporters have pushed back, even creating an app, 63 Red Safe, that identifies apolitical restaurants, like a Yelp for conservatives, according to its creator. I've heard of apps like that, because, because here's the thing. When you are openly espousing views and, and, and ideologies that essentially will lead to genocide if left unchecked if if it's not already starting there mm-hmm. you ain't getting booty i'm sorry <laughs> i don't care how hot you look if you're espousing this shit you ain't getting the dick you ain't getting it <laughs> that's just that's just simple as that and this is coming from me who is who is not very discriminatory outside of the you know obvious legal things of who i put my dick in yeah. So, I mean, and, and and so if if you got me turned off, you you are either related to me, too young, or you're a fucking bigot. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, the recent incident began last Wednesday evening, after ordering several drinks and a plate of fish and chips. Dion Sini was refused further service at Jake's Dilemma, a popular bar on Manhattan's West Side. Sini claims it was because of his red Make America Great Again visor and uploaded a video he recorded with his phone of the incident to Facebook, writing, Enough is enough. 
The video starts with Sini, not in view of the camera, saying, He said he won't serve me because I've got this hat on. The bartender, a young man wearing a backwards green Jets hat, hits at Sini's phone, who then says, Don't take my fucking phone! A minute into the video, Sini asks, You won't serve me another beer because I'm wearing a hat? Bartender responds, Correct. Sini asks the same question again, and the bartender gives him a thumbs up. Which, okay. I know one of the things that people center and center right tend to go for is the right for a business to refuse service to anyone for any reason. And in and of itself, if it's used wisely, can be a good thing. There have been too many businesses over the years that have used it as a justification for discriminating against people that they don't like for reasons that are outside of their control, like being black or being gay, for example. There are, you know, there are too many bad actors on that particular front. However, this is one of those cases where it is not a bad actor front because when you're wearing that MAGA hat, what you are telling people is you are you are a bigot, you are a racist, you are anti-Semitic, potentially, which may be a little redundant, or maybe not. I don't know. You you are all of these horrible things. That's the big. That's a big. That's a big sim. It's, it's, it's like lighting up the damn Hollywood sign. Here you go. Boom. I am a bigot. And businesses don't have to put up with that shit. Nobody has to put up with that shit. So if you're being asked to leave, especially if, you know, and, 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 and it gets a little bit more into some of the background details in a little bit in the article. But if we go with just, oh, it's just the hat then I'm pretty sure the owners don't want to have to deal with any of the potential fallout if one of their patrons gets drunk enough and starts some shit with this guy, or vice versa. They don't want to deal with that, so it's within their right to kick him out. It's not a government-run establishment. You know, you know, you can go drink somewhere else that maybe might be a little bit more friendly to you. So it's not only protecting the bar's ass, it's protecting this MAGA fucker's ass too. You know, keep him from getting his ass kicked. Because some some idiots, I say idiots, so some people are likely, if they get drunk enough, their inhibitions are going to get lowered enough, they're going to kick his ass. So, so yeah. I mean, and personally, if I started up a bar down here, well, okay, probably, would, well, I don't know how much business it would get, but I, I would probably have something like that. Like, yeah, we don't serve bigots and racists here, which means half the town would not come to my business. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so so it goes on. But Mitch Banchik, who owns the bar, said that Sini was actually refused service before he began shooting the video, and for an entirely different reason, being disruptive and using an ethnic slur. Banchik wasn't in the bar when the incident happened, but spoke to several employees who were working at Jake's Dilemma that night, including the bartender, to find out what happened. He said that calls to the staff in the wake of the incident have been so threatening and disturbing that he felt uncomfortable asking asking them to speak to the media. Oof. The problems actually started long before he put his camera on, Banshee told CBS News in a telephone interview. Sini was being loud and obnoxious, he said. The bartender asked him to calm down and keep his voice down several times before Sini began recording. Each time, Sini would briefly comply, but then would begin to raise his voice again, disrupting other patrons at the bar and making people uncomfortable, Banchik said. After 30 minutes of the back and forth, Sini loudly said, McJew, according to Banchik, based on reports from his staff. The bartender, who is both Irish and Jewish, 
Saw that as the final straw, Banchik said. Yeah. It was this real loud racial comment, and that kind of thing just doesn't mix well with alcohol, Banchik said. That's when he was asked to leave. But Sini refused, forcing the bar to involve security and call the police, as Sini's video shows. At one point, Sini yells, Take my hat off! How about I take my pants off? Uh, uh, the hat will do. You leave your pants on. Nobody wants to see your dick. Um, <laughs> the frustration of getting him out of the bar is what pushed the bartender to agree with Sini that the reason was his hat, Banchik said. Which, okay, fair enough. Uh, it, it, it goes on a little bit, and... Uh, there's a little bit at towards the uh, middle end of the article about Sini himself to give a little bit more background on him. Uh, he made a name of himself displaying the 2020 Trump 2020 garb and selling his items. He's, and it says he brings political items inside popular public places and displays his large scale flags and acknowledge that he knows he may get kicked out. In some cases, most notably Disney theme parks, the displays have gotten him lifetime bans. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, You know what? Another good call for Disney because they all, you know, on a side note, speaking of Disney, they rehired James Gunn for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and Mike, Mike, Rape, Mike, Mike Cernovich, the rapist, is crying crocodile tears and oh my god, they taste so good. They taste so delicious. In fact, I'm going to drink a little bit right now. Mm. Uh, I'll join you. Yes. <laughs> That's refreshing. Yes. So, <laughs> so yes. Sini also displays the banners at places where he knows it's not welcome, he said. After Upper West Side residents voted to remove Trump Plaza from their apartment building, Sini showed up waving a 20-foot Trump 2020 flag and laughed at a resident who was upset, asking if she beat her children and to get used to it. According to a video he posted on Facebook that received about 143,000 views with an original caption, Detached, Deranged, and Demented. When someone tells me I'm not welcome to do something, expect me to do something, Sini told CBS News. Well, Sini, I'm going to tell you this. You are not welcome to kiss my ass. <laughs> Just, yeah. I mean, I, I can understand, to a certain degree, spite. I, I, I am a fan of spite in certain instances. You know, like... When somebody says, oh, hey, don't talk shit about the president. If the president's a shithead, I'm going to talk shit about him. So, you know, you're not, you're not going to stop me there. But when you're pulling shit like this out in public places, on private, even, even in private property, which, by the way, Disney theme parks, which was noted, it's, it's a private property. Yeah, it's as big as a small city, but it's private property. Um... You know, you you get kicked out, and if you're not welcome, and you're like, you're you're you are a fucking troll, sir. You are a yeah. troll. Just uh yeah, there's there is a lot more, but we've only got so much show. <laughs> uh, uh, Michelle, why don't you kick this one off first? Well, a couple of thoughts as I was listening to it. Uh, one, I'm kind of reminded of the line from Ali G in the house. Um, and I, I, maybe it's from his show as well, is where he goes like, "Is it because he's black?" And my common response to that, and, and remembering in this film that Ali is actually the hero, so it's kind of a thing. But mm-hmm. is it because he's black? No, it's because you're a dick. <laughs> yep. Um, that's usually my thing for that. But also, and I've said this before, I, I think our free speech laws are slightly different to yours anyway. But it's like, yes, you have the right 
to say and do or you know speak whatever you want i conversely i then have the right to call you a cunt for it if i don't happen to agree with you yeah this free speech goes both ways exactly and and it brings up something i forgot to bring up in my initial thing although you could probably glean it freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences oh yeah yeah so yeah on on, on on the uh, 63 and red the the app thing yeah um i i don't know if you if you haven't seen this i watch um a lot of tyt Mm -hmm. and they mentioned it and apparently it has really bad back-end security where people can like see um people's information that's kind of funny. <laughs> oh god damn it. Because of course it does. Of course it does. <laughs> we just want to get laid. We don't care about all this shit. Here, you have all this. Let me go get some poontang. <sighs> I'm, I'm just to sort of give it a, a parallel thing about, you know, the the um the right wing being more um aggressive than the the, uh, the left. I watch a lot of um flat earth bunk videos cuz they're fun and they're educational. Mm-hmm. And the amount of vitriol that some of these people get like oh you you are such a how dare you you're ignorant you know can't and you're saying all these mean things to me and like you're gay and all this stuff i'm like he's just sitting there explaining to you the viewer who chose to watch this video why what the video he's responding to is is wrong and i've seen some videos where the the host has said actually that's a fair point no that bit they've got correct this bit i can agree with Oh wait, here's where it all goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like they're constantly saying this guy's a total moron. They're like, actually, this bit's correct. But here's where he's gone wrong, and here's what we can talk about where the problems are and why this is this is just silly. And yeah. it's just like the same thing. It's I usually I have a thing. There's two things. I mean, you know, once we get into nuance, it gets a bit different. But two basic things I don't like people is ignorance and arrogance. Ignorance is usually more tolerable because you can teach or educate someone on on the situation. And for my own self, I've always said I'm happy to be corrected because it means I've learned something. Mm-hmm. Um, but arrogance, oh boy, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Especially if you're ignorant and arrogant, I I think we're getting into Dunning Kruger then. Yeah. Oh lordy, cat. Uh, what do you have to say? <laughs> um. There's a lot to unpack with this scenario, but a guy who uh, goes around selling Trump-supporting materials uh, in public spaces, knowing, or private spaces, knowing that he might get kicked out, and then walks into a bar with a MAGA hat, is a guy who's looking for something to be mad about. Yeah. I mean, like, this is not some guy who's just going to a bar looking for a good time. This is a guy who's walking around looking for a fight. He's looking f- to become a martyr. Because uh, nothing is more uplifting than than being crucified for your beliefs. Like, it just is the way that a lot of people think is that um, if somebody attacks me because of this hat, then they prove me right. And that's what this guy is looking for. This guy is looking to be proven right about everything, to to mm-hmm. um, enforce his own beliefs via other people. It's he's looking to start a fight so that he can feel better about himself. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? All you would have to do to start a fight, you know, just go on Twitter. Roll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, all right, keeping it in New York. And this is uh, this and the final story for this week. The, these next two. I, I, I don't talk about them often, I don't think. But I, I have a severe case of NIMBY hatred. That's N-I-M-B-Y, not in my backyard. Because, yeah, these fuckers. So, so okay. <clears throat> it's a classic New York gentrification story with a morality twist. Think Fifty Ooh. Shades of NIMBY. By the way, that is the actual article. That is not me. Uh, on one side, longtime residents of a block in, Be- in the Bedford Stuyvesant area of Brooklyn led by Laurie Miller, who lives in the same narrow house on Quincy Street that she moved into as a child in 1974. On the other, a queer feminist, Charlotte Taylor, with two L's, who moved her her business next door to Miss Miller from a more expensive place in Crown Heights. Okay, moved it there for the price. Okay. And in the middle, Miss Taylor's business. Now about that business. It's what's known as a kink collective where Miss Taylor runs bondage workshops and other fetish events for the BDSM community. Uh, It's perfectly legal, she said, but that does not necessarily make it welcome. And that's a key thing to remember. It is legal. The dispute began in January when Miss Miller began noticing men, some of whom she called weird-looking, coming and going from the house next door. Oh no, she's entertaining gentlemen. I thought this was New York City. Oh. It was it was like a heavy, continuous pattern of these guys that aren't in the neighborhood, she said. Because she lived alone, foot traffic the foot traffic made her uneasy. Which, in all fairness, it, you're in the middle of a large city, you know, Brooklyn, New York City in general. I can understand to a degree, especially coming from a woman. I can understand that. But odds are, if you're in your own house, they probably don't even realize you're there. You know, unless mm. unless you have a guy that just goes around knocking on doors. Hey, woman here? Yeah. And then unfortunate <laughs> happens. But that's not likely to happen. I don't think. I could be wrong. I, you know. Um, so, you know. So, like I said, I understand. But at the same time, a little over the top. I could be wrong. So, Laurie Miller said that the unfamiliar men coming onto her Brooklyn, bro- Brooklyn block for Miss Taylor's business have caused her anxiety. We don't know what their backgrounds are or what they're capable of. It's just a scary thing. Well, you know, we have people, I have people walking up and down our street here, and we don't know their backgrounds or what they're capable of or where they're from, you know, and, and we're just fine. Granted, we're also a small goddamn town. So... But we're not small enough that everybody knows literally everybody. So, uh, some of them were questionable people, Miss Miller said. You know, your spidey senses started tingling. Why, were they dressed in all leather? (laughs) When she asked around, neighbors told her that Miss Taylor was up to no good. Perturbed, perturbed, I rented this tongue. She quickly put up flyers calling for a meeting with the Block Association and urging local residents to call the community board and the police about a gentleman's sex club that had no business being on the block. Oh, that's where it gets into. Because, number one, BDSM is not necessarily all sexual. So it is is used in a lot 
in conjunction with sex. But BDSM stands for bondage, dominance, sadism, and masochism. So, and all that ne does not necessarily need to be sexual. I, I, I'll use an example for myself. I consider myself a media masochist. That means I go out and find shit online that will burn my brain cells. So, and I enjoy it. So, so again, it's not always sexual. Now, after weeks of outcry and several community meetings, Ms. Taylor is planning to move her custom-built kinky clubhouse where folks play with the boundaries of trust and consent under pressure from Ms. Miller, who says the dominatrices did not have her consent to be there. Okay. Okay. This is where you... If, if, you, if you, you, you were teetering a little bit before, not really, but if, if, if I was anywhere near your side, Ms. Miller... You would have totally lost it there. Because who the fuck do you think you are to tell yeah. somebody that they don't have your consent to move into a, a, a brownstone next door? Which I, I think says later on it's a brownstone. So who the fuck do you think you are? Are you the landlady of that particular property? Do you own that property? Do you own the street? No, you do not. It is not your business who moves in there. If everything is legal and safe... Fuck you. Leave her alone. Just no. <laughs> That's just no. No, fuck you. I mean, just ah. Uh. And, and and I'm a little disappointed in, in Miss Taylor for, for giving in and saying it's her block. I respect her. I want her to be the Beyonce of her block. I want her to be the queen of her block. I have no qualms with it. Which points for going out respectfully but i really it's it it it, it kind of makes me sad that she's having that she's doing this because miss miller ain't got no fucking business saying who should or should not live in your goddamn neighborhood you know it's like no you know it's legal she's allowed to be there and as it says later on in the article nobody nobody is having actual sex in there According to Miss Taylor, and I have no reason to disbelieve her. Yeah, it's just no. Ugh. I mean, the most recent uh, junk drawer episode we did, which you can find on the anchor feed at the moment, we talked a lot about the anti-sex work sentiment in this country, and is it this is and and even though this is not strictly sex, in in fact there's no sex going on, it's still put under that umbrella because that's how most of us have have been introduced to it is through a sexual context and mm. and even if there was sex going on in there it still doesn't fucking matter no pun intended <laughs> it's they're not hurting anybody un, you know without consent you know yeah there might be a noise thing here or two but you know what maybe help her pitch in and get some some uh um uh, um oh what the baffling yeah baffling yeah yeah you get you get where I'm going at. So you don't need to run her out. God damn. Fucking NIMBYs. Cat, take <laughs> this from me before I run us into a ditch. <laughs> okay, so um where your turning point was the uh she did not have my consent to be there. This is like a mangling of consent. Mm -hmm. Um it, it it's a deliberate usage of a term that we use for sexual encounters or soon to be sexual encounters um, to denote 
you know, whether or not somebody has your permission. And, and so for her to use it in the context that she's using it in is, is her basically making, it's not quite making fun of it, but it's deliberately misusing it on purpose. Um, because people do not need somebody else's consent to exist. Yeah. It, it's wholly wrong to say, you don't have my consent to be here. She's deliberately using a term that we associate with sex to tell somebody that they don't deserve to exist in this space. And so it's, it's, um, it's the equivalent of people misusing the word triggered mm-hmm. when, you know, deliberately putting it in a, the wrong context in order to downplay its importance. Um, and that's that's kind of to me like yeah she definitely crossed the line there because she's basically saying you don't you don't get to exist because I say so and then also downplaying the importance of this particular phrase in in this particular context it's like wow you're an asshole yeah fuck right off also Gomer you have to stop using southern accents for every racist person we're talking about people from New York <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, in fairness, I'm from the South, and that's the stereotype. I need to break myself of that, uh, if, if, for no other reason than variety. But yeah. <laughs> but you gotta learn to do a New York City accent. There's so in like, like it's so not hard. You just gotta get a cup of coffee, go down and get a bagel. It's not hard. It's not hard. You just gotta get used to it. I, <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll have to practice at some point. <laughs> uh, so, so what about your thoughts, Michelle? Uh, I'm with you on the whole cassette line. I was about to say fuck you, but then you rented. So, <laughs> I mean, this this lady, um, the the fuck you lady, she's not like even like a block president, block association president or anything, is she? She's just a person in who lives in the street. Yeah. So, I mean. I don't know if if there is such a thing as a block association area, which the article doesn't need to say. If you have any kind of business, they were like, "Hey, I'm going to be moving in. I'm going to be setting up a business. Here's my application." If there was a process to that, that should have happened. But presumably, if there was a process, that happened. Um, but besides that, it's like I live in the town centre, um, like literally. I can see shops from my kitchen window. Mm-hmm. It is it is the hub of the town. In fact, the, there's going to be a whole regeneration project happening. Um, there are, especially at the weekends, there are going to be people wandering around and being a bit rowdy and noisy. So, it's I live in a town. I live in a, a, a flat in the middle of a town centre where there is noise happening around me. Sometimes it's a little bit noisy than noisy, and occasionally I've had to sort of online with the police and say hey um there seems to be a situation happening outside um maybe you want to come and have a look at it um but so i can sort of understand the because like i said before my part my partner works at night so i'm always always at home at night um, Mm -hmm. on my own i never once unless i think there was one time someone started really banging on the front door um like of the main building Mm -hmm. Never once have I actually felt scared 
or worried or anything else because I know my front door is pretty damn secure. Right. So I don't need to feel scared or worried. So to use that as an excuse is kind of lame. And the only t- and this is going to sound a bit and I'll, and this is, I'm going to tra- tangent into I'm um, talking about triggering in a minute. But the only time I ever kind of feel weirded out or intimidated or intimidate isn't the right word is where we live is on a flight path. And obviously, I'm in a, in a tower block. It was uh, 12 floors. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when the planes go past, especially at night, I do feel a little bit more nervous. But I do attribute that to having watched um, 9-11 happen on the news, you know, like everyone else in the world. Yeah. And I, and then I, might, I don't think I have any particular trauma. I didn't have any friends. New. I, I did know some chiropractors at the time who were from New York, and I sort of went to see them as, hey, how's things with you? But beyond that, that's the only time I ever feel kind of nervous is when a plane's going over. But that's because when it is later at night, when my irrational brain is more switched on than my rational brain, and I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to squeeze up a little bit tight. But I know I'm not actually in any danger. Yeah. But while well, so I was going to segue into that, um, talking about Triggered, um, I was watching a pretty different podcast, uh, listened to a show earlier, where the one of... He originally did it live, and someone in his um, comments thread was saying about being squicked by something. And he's like, oh, I'm not familiar with that term. And they're explaining it's a word that you can use in place of triggered, which isn't. It's kind of like this thing makes me feel uncomfortable for, for reasons that are my own. Um, but I also, because I've been recently watching um, Buffy, uh, Wiggins is also a good word for that kind of like, I'm uneasy about this thing, but not necessarily triggered by this yeah. thing. Because, tr- again, triggering is a very specific thing. I don't think outside the plane things you know that's just me possibly being a bit daft i don't think i've ever really been seriously triggered by something uh, a friend of mine was explaining that she like using an example of if you're scared of elephants it's not necessarily a picture of an elephant that could could make you triggered it could be a picture of a mouse or a, a, a peanuts or something else that could be associated with an elephant that could upset and trigger you yeah and there's like oh that's kind of okay that, that makes some sense so yeah, if you're looking for alternative words to using triggered, then yeah, you can say this this kind of squicks me or this is giving me a Wiggins or something else that you know you know means like I'm feeling irrationally uncomfortable about something, but not necessarily you know emotionally traumatically upset by it. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, fuck that lady because so what? People are having sex or in this case, presumably learning how to have kinkier sex in a safe way, which in a post Fifty Shades world, which fuck that book. Um, you need, because um, it, it may have brought attention to the BDSM community, but it's done it in the worst possible way. Mm-hmm. Even if you have a very basic knowledge of BDSM, you know that that shit ain't good. Yeah. If I, I stopped reading that book at uh, the point where she gave him a blowjob in when they were in the bath, and like, wait, did he get out of the bath, or is she breathing through her, her ears? Because I'm not sure what happened there. So it was just, for that point, I was like, that's just badly written scene. I'm, I'm out. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'm not saying bath time BJ's can't be fun, but make sure you're out of the water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Breathing is important. Uh, so, are, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. In so. conclusion, if she wants to have a BSM shop that teaches people how to be safe, what business is yours if all the correct positions and paperwork that you may or may not need to file have been filed? Exactly. <laughs> uh, so... Now we go, we finally leave New York, and we go over to the West Coast out of Hillsboro, California. The tiny town of Hillsboro, and I just want to note that 
that on the article itself they they uh, typoed tiny into Tony, which just <laughs> amuses the hell out of me. But the tiny yes. town of Hillsboro <laughs> is suing the owner of his one of one of its most well known landmarks, the so called Flintstone House, over gaudy outdoor decorations and other work, including a herd of large dinosaur sculptures and a sign reading Yabba Dabba Doo. I mean, hey, you got the house, may as well do something with it. Attorneys representing the ultra-rich peninsula in Enclave filed the lawsuit in San Mateo County Superior Court against the home's owner, Florence Fang, who the town said the additions were installed without proper permits and create a highly visible eyesore and are out of keeping with community standards. Permits could be one thing. Sure. Yeah. But you lose me when you say, oh, it creates an eyesore. To who? To you, rich fox? Boo-hoo, deal with it. <laughs> Fang, a well-known Bay Area businesswoman, philanthropist, and former publisher of the San Francisco Examiner, purchased the iconic home in 2017 and soon began adding the patina-covered dinos and other gaudy outdoor improvements. The multi-domed home is perched on a hillside visible from Interstate 280 and overlooks Lower Crystal Springs Re Reservoir. Bizarre abode is praised by some and maligned by others for its unconventional design by Bay Area architect William Nicholson, and it was constructed in the mid-1970s by spraying concrete over a wire mesh and steel frame. Ah, neat. Mm -hmm. Fang's modifications also included a retaining wall, steps, columns, gates, a parking strip, and a deck for social gatherings, Mark Hudak, the attorney for Hillsborough, wrote in the lawsuit. Several of these improvements created live safety hazards that required immediate correction to protect visitors to the property, he said. Okay, a retaining wall, assuming for, like, flooding or, or what have you. You know, that way it doesn't go all... Because it said, what, it's on a hillside, so, so it doesn't go all flooding the interstate. Presumably. Um, or, or even anything like that. Steps. Okay. Um, columns, gates, parking strip, and a deck. How, which ones create the uh, life safety hazard? The deck? I mean, we have decks on homes all the time, so that's not it. Uh, parking strip, that's called a driveway. Um, <laughs> gates, uh, we don't have a front gate, but we have a back gate and a fence, so that's another thing. Columns, I, I don't see the danger there. So I, I don't see where the live safety hazards are coming in. Unless everybody in that neighborhood is klutzy as fuck. <laughs> then I don't know. Fang did the work without the prop, without planning. Di she did the work without planning approvals or bur building permits, except for a very limited permit for a low wall in the front of the property, Hudak wrote. The town's building department issued a stop work order in December 2017, followed by a second notice in January 2018. The building department issued a third notice in August. Fang was cited for multiple violations last year, and the town's administrative hearing panel was issued issued an order calling the home a public nuisance. It's a home! That's where her <laughs> place... That's her home and all her shit! In October, the panel ordered the decorations removed by December and hit Fang with a $200 penalty. Oh no, $200. Ooh. Fang did not challenge the order, making the decision final, Hudak said, but the improvements remain, prompting the town to sue. Efforts to reach Fang were unsuccessful. So, it seems to me like these rich, uptight assholes are trying to find ways 
through the law and, and use the law to take down things that they really don't want to look at. And guess what? If it's on her, if it's on Fang's property, and if it's not really, I mean, I mean, where is your, okay, where is your proof that these, like the retaining wall, the steps, columns, whatever, how do you know that they are not, how do you know that they are life safety hazards? How do you know? The article doesn't go into it. So we have that question. Um, and it's on her property. It's presumably for private viewing. So it's not like she's making a business out of it. So you don't have to worry about that. You know, from what it sounds like, it's akin to putting putting fucking uh, uh, those, those fucking plastic flamingos on your lawn. <laughs> it's just on a richer scale. So... What it comes across to me, not only going only by what I'm seeing in the article, is that Miss Fang wanted to make the Flintstones home more Flintstony, more thematic, and make it a little bit more livable and workable as, you know, to have friends over. Sure, why not? And and other improvements. And all of these other rich assholes are like, no, we don't like that. That's a that's an eyesore. I don't know why I keep defaulting to that voice. God damn it. <laughs> uh, but so they're they're essentially using the law in every way they can to get her to stop. So so I don't know, uh, Michelle. You want to start off on this one? Okay. If she doesn't have the correct permits in place, which it seems to suggest she doesn't, then that is a valid point between her and the local authority. Right. If there is provably uh, the fact that maybe the work wasn't of, of a good health and safety standard, then that is also a thing that needs to be looked at. And I will not argue those points. If she doesn't have the permits or planning permission... That's not cool. That's not cool. And if there is work that does look... I mean, for all we know, one of these people walking past could be some kind of construction expert goes, to me, that doesn't look right. Mm -hmm. And if that's something that needs to be investigated, then have an investigation. You know, get it get it all checked off. Because you don't want to be, as a, as a homeowner, responsible for something that could potentially hurt one of your guests. So those are points that, if they are true, should be looked at, should be dealt with. Fair enough. Outside of that, and as you were saying about like the um, dinosaurs with the patina and all the stuff that can be seen from the highway, my thought was like, hey, if I saw that as I was driving past or being driven past, I was like, dinosaurs, cool, can we have a closer look? Yeah. It's, it's like, this is the person's home. Outside of genuine legal problems, this is her home. I, I wasn't proud of this. I once um, sold or tried to sell solar panels on... Um, over the phone, like old calling, which mm -hmm. that is the part I wasn't proud of. But hey, solar panels. One of the excuses people came up to me was like, "Oh, but it make my roof look ugly." How often do you look at your roof? I know, right? Now, <laughs> so it's like there are, I guess there are points, and I was reminded of one of your stories before saying about the Christmas house or not having a Christmas house. Um, mm -hmm. So there are probably lines to a personal aesthetic with like you go from, "Oh, that's kind of cool," to, "Okay, now you're just gaudy." Yeah, but it's if it's still within her property boundaries. So what? Yes, it may be a little bit OTT, maybe a little bit gaudy. Get over yourself. Yeah. Uh... If it's if it's like I said, if there's legalities, that's between her and the local authority. 
If there's construction, that is something that should be looked at. Yeah. Anything beyond that, mind your fucking business. Exactly. Uh, Kat? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm kind of um, uh, on the, you know, if there are legalities, then, then yeah, they should be a private matter between her and the law. Um, it, it, I'm looking at a picture of this house online, and I... I can kind of go with the, it's an eyesore. <laughs> it's kind of hideous, but I also kind of love that it's ugly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm on the fence there. The dinosaurs do look like if a strong wind blew over, they might like <laughs> fall over and maul somebody. Um, Sorry, have you got that link? Cause I'd like to see it. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I just Googled Flintstone house um, and, it, and it brought up pictures of the house and it is ugly, but I kind of like that it's yeah. ugly. Um, but it also looks like it's fairly well secluded and stuff. So, I mean, obviously there's going to be different angles and you're going to be able to see some of it from the road. And then, you know, some people might be distracted driving by it and that could be like a problem, but it's not the house's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of looks like it's a theme park. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a theme park. Um, and not like a good one. It looks like kind of a bad one. <laughs> I mean, looking at the, these pictures, for me, I would say that's just below Gordy because it, it isn't all clustered. It looks like it's nicely spread out. Mm-hmm. Um, like the dinosaurs themselves remind me of like some sculptures we have at the zoo where I'm from, but then the exterior of the house and then all the little like trimmings and stuff around on the ground look like like an Easter basket vomited on their lawn. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really pretty setting up in the um in the mountainous area there with like the trees. Yeah, there's yeah. really pretty trees. Um and I think I would probably love living there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You could see some of the interior shots of the house as well, and it looks yeah. really awesome from the inside. Like, just let rich people do their thing. Like, at least this is like rich people fighting amongst themselves. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. what was this person's name? Florence Fang, because that's about the fucking coolest name I've ever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is one hundred percent a comic book villain's name. Oh, Lawrence Fang is a comic book villain name, and she's living in a Flintstones house. I don't know where to go with this, but somebody do something with that. Yes, please. Did, 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 you, did you get to the picture where she actually has a sculpture of Fred? Because it's ugly. Yes, yes. <laughs> Guys, if you're listening to this, just go online and Google the house and look at the pictures inside <laughs> and outside. It is incredible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. That's uh, so amazing. And his fingers are weird. What's going on with his fingers? Poor Fred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the interior looks so beautiful in in most parts of it, and it's very sleek and very elegant. And then the outside is like like a harsh orange, and then like a pastel purple, like lavender. Mm. And you're like, what is with the aesthetic? Yeah. yeah. And then the fr- yeah, then the Fred Flintstone. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, like, walking out of your house drunk at midnight or something. No, like, mm-hmm. three or four in the morning, you're walking around your yard drunk, and then you just, like, run into that. Oof. Oof. <laughs> That's all I'm imagining. Uh. Oh, God. So, anyway. So, yeah, yeah. that that is going to be uh, let the Let the rich eat themselves. Yes. <laughs> Masticate each other, rich people. There you go. Save us the trouble. Uh, yes. <laughs> So, 
Alright, so with that, that is going to be it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. Michelle, if we wanted to find you online, where could we find you? Uh, you can find me on both Twitter and my YouTube channel is both Phoenix11, that's P-H-E-O-N-I-X-1-1. And yeah, I, I pretty much don't have a presence anywhere else. There um, we go. Don't do, don't do Insta, think of Facebook people. Yeah. I do have a Discord, but literally it's just for purposes like this. So, yeah. yeah. Phoenix11. <laughs> Uh, and and Cat, where could we find you? You can find me on the social media on Twitter at LabyrinthCat at Facebook.com slash NerdistCat and you can come listen to my other shows. I've got Nerd to the Third Power which is over on YouTube and iTunes and check us out. And then you can also listen to my other show which we mentioned at least once an episode on here which is What the Fuck with Josh Hadley over on 1201beyond.com Yes. And of course, if you want to find more of me, you can find me on the Twitters, the Tumblrs, the Instagrams, if you're into more Pokemon pictures. Uh, gomer 2 xx for all of those. Uh, YouTube should all... gomer 2 double xx should also get you to me on YouTube as well. Uh, I know that the they're still fucking around with the URLs, so I don't know if that still applies, but just look up Gomer the Ranting Thespian on YouTube or on Facebook. You'll find me on both places there. And of course, this very show does have its own YouTube channel, which if you if you're listening to this from my site, rtgomer.com, then the YouTube versions are the ones that are going up as opposed to the versions you'll find on Anchor or your other podcast apps because Anchor doesn't allow direct um direct linking to their uh to their uh, completed files which i kind of understand because with anchor you can build everything right there on the site you can put the whole show together on the site and yeah. and so of course you, it's got to be able to account for being able to switch it up as needed um but still you can find it there you can find it on apple Podcasts, wherever you want to find it um and all I that stuff sorry. Oh, I have to big up the I have to big up the anchor app because I used to like listen you know depending on if I was on my computer or if I was if I caught this on my phone then I'd be listening to it on the YouTube and the YouTube app is so possessive you literally cannot do anything else anchor's really cool it's like yeah I'll sit in the background you can you can play cards you can check your email you can do what you want watch your mm-hmm. to whatever you listen to yeah so yeah um anchor's I like anchor uh, yeah I hope it gets I hope it gets bigger and more people sort of find it as a platform. Oh, I do too, uh, because like you know, like one of the ads I put in the thing for the major uh, podcast feeds is an ad for Anchor. So, hmm. so you already get your first ad, and you get and you get money for it. It's not much because the viewership is not super big, but it's at least something. Um, yeah. So, so that is another and- thing. If you're looking to start a podcast, go through Anchor. <laughs> Also, unlike SoundCloud, it actually turns itself off when you're finished. It doesn't like sit there, SoundCloud just sits there going, I'm, I'm sick, I'm, like, I'm finished with you. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, so that that is going to be it for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, this is Gomer the Ranting Thespian with Michelle and the Cat signing off. Bye.